Welcome to the Intentional House Podcast. Here, it's all about creating beautiful homes that actually help families love better. Here's your host, the home coach herself, Carly Thornock. Hey homies, it's Carly. I'm so glad you're here. This is the official podcast of Intentional House where we drool over helping families design and maximize their homes to be wonder-filled connection magnets. It really is all about the people and we are unapologetic in our people focus over the pretty. Although I just really like the pretty too, don't you? Isn't Pinterest the best? Mm. Well, this week around here, I'm seeing all sorts of beautiful pictures on the internet with people sending their children back to school. They're on the porch with cute backpacks and combed hair, and they have signs that say like, Johnny, first grade, and it's so cute, and I love it. And then I roll over in our camping RV, (laughs) as happened last weekend in the middle of a thunderstorm, and I look out the door at all of our muddy shoes lined up in a row, and my sleeping children who slept much better than I did because I have like night terrors when I'm camping. Does this happen to anybody else? (laughs) I have all these strange dreams that things are going to kill us in the middle of the night when we're camping. doesn't matter where we are. Just always do. Okay. It's probably just getting used to sleeping somewhere new. Anyway, as I'm thinking about all these, these pictures of all these cute little kids going off to school and I see us in our mudded campingness and I think happy first day of school. (laughs) Here we are, us muddy homeschoolers. So happy to be here. (laughs) It's been fun. It's been fun to do both. It's been fun to see all my friends sending their kids to school and the excitement that comes with the new school year and to buy new markers at our house and to refresh and set a clean intention and uh, kind of have a fresh start. I love that about the school year, the new school year. But it's also been fun to have my kids home and to recognize that I love that choice for our family. While I love my public school experience and while I completely honor all other moms and I completely trust them to make the best decision for their families, I love that right now we're doing this for our family. So it's been a kind of a fun week to honor myself, honor others. If you are going back to school, I hope that you're having a good week too. I hope it's gone well for everybody. So the big change around our house this week is that my kids had introductory lessons at a martial arts studio in town. A couple months back, I was sitting at a wedding, a niece's wedding with my sister-in-law, Heidi, and we were chatting. And then it comes up that she's a double black belt. And I was agog. I learned that. I learned that word from Les Mis. Who can tell me where the word agog is in limits? <laughs> anyway, I looked at her and was like, are you kidding me? I've known you for however long now. And I didn't even know that, let alone you didn't even do martial arts. Like I didn't even know you did martial arts, let alone you're this like incredibly accomplished martial artist. For some reason, it was hilarious to me. <laughs> I love She's a small, petite woman. She's a master gardener does a bunch of like beautiful artistic displays for charity galas like so artsy and cool and like fine motor skills oriented in my mind and that she could do an incredible roundhouse kick 
just really makes me really happy. So I've been thinking about it. It's kind of been on the back of my mind since then and before then. Martial arts is something that's always appealed to me. But since then, since I realized that I had such a close connection to excellence, (laughs) I've been thinking about signing myself up for some sort of martial arts. And I was asking Chase, my husband, is this something you want to do with me? And he was like, sure. And then I just knew my kids would love it. First of all, again, we homeschool. We need a little bit of structure in our lives. Someone's got to help us learn how to have, you know, respect. And (laughs) no, I'm kidding. And uh, it just seems fun. So signed us up to do an introduction lesson with the studio in town. And the last couple of days we have taken the kids and they have been all over it. They have totally loved it. They're so psyched about it all. They earned their white belt today. They memorized the student creed. They did it by themselves. They are so motivated. And I think that's so fun when you find something that your kids are self-motivated to do. This happened to us with a typing. I think I told you about it where I got a typing book for my oldest son and he was so excited. He just started typing things for everybody. (laughs) <laughs> and he still does. He just, mom, I just think I need to do some typing. Like, okay, son, boy, go, go type some stuff. <laughs> Good for you. But this is how karate. And I suppose it's, I want to be like representative of all the terminology that I don't know. This is a definite new world to me. I understand that there's karate involved and some kickboxing and some other cool stuff that I don't understand yet. So anyway, I think that it's cool that they're super involved and they're taking care of their stuff really carefully and they're invested they want to show up and practice and do it. They're telling everybody they know about it. They're, you know, showing grandma and grandpa the new skills they learn and egging their uncles on in fights, which is probably a less than ideal situation to be in, but entertaining nonetheless. So that's fun. So maybe, maybe we'll start some martial arts training this winter. Literally today, I filmed them because I didn't think it was possible. I filmed them sitting still because their instructor told them to do so for like 30 seconds. They just sat still and they were quiet. I was ready to take the dude home with me. I was like, how are you working this magic? What is this? What is this sorcery? Anyway, we're feeling, we're feeling pretty cool. We're feeling pretty legitimate over here. And if anybody has some great experiences with martial arts, send them my way. We could use some pump up could use some pump up knowing that there's people in the world who have loved this and that it won't be a crazy experience. I kind of feel like taking that next step with my kids, like getting involved in extracurriculars feels like a big deal. feels like a big deal to me. So that's fun. I'm excited. This week's little lifesaver has been life coaching. I know before you turn this off, don't go away yet. (laughs) The reason Why life coaching this week has been such a lifesaver is because I didn't even realize that I needed it. And my brain was blown up in a couple of different ways. And I wanted to tell you about it because sometimes we think we're fine and we think that it just is normal to tell ourselves all these stories that create all these feelings in our life. And it is, it's completely normal. But what we don't realize is that we're so much in charge of our lives And we're abdicating so much responsibility just by default because that's kind of the nature of our culture. It's the nature of the world right now to abdicate responsibility for one's own emotions and one's own experience in the world. 
And so today with my coach, I, t- I took this mantra that I've been trying to live into a little bit more of time is abundant. And so I like told my coach, I was like, I don't believe this. I'm not there yet. (laughs) This makes me feel anxious. Whenever I think about this, I just feel more frenzied. I feel like I have no more time. And so for an hour today, she sat with me and helped me process through why I'm feeling like my time is limited and what that's creating for me. And for me, when I feel like time is limited, I start running into things. Like I run my shoulders, I like hit door jams or my hips hit the doorknob or like I bang my head on open cabinets because I'm not present. I'm somewhere else in my brain. I'm feeling more frenzied and let alone like I'm not present with my kids and my work suffers when I'm feeling rushed. I'm sure you can relate. Maybe you can't relate. I'm not sure of that. Can you relate? Can you relate to this? So we talked about that. We talked about how my brain is offering me so many solutions about how if I just hurry up or if I just wake up earlier or if I just do more or if I multitask and try to think through things ahead of time while I'm supposed to be doing a different task, then that will make my life easier and then I'll have enough time. But really what that's creating for me is just like distress and more bruises, which is not what I want. That's not the purpose of my existence. And I was able to really connect with this feeling that emerged. I didn't even expect this of like the purpose of my existence is to love my life and time is going to march on. It's going to come. It is so abundant. It's the one thing you don't even have to do anything for. It just is. It's just the gift that keeps on giving more time. Every second elapses, every minute rolls over, every hour ticks on, right? And I don't even have to do anything about it. It's abundant. There's so much time. And by choosing to be frenzied, I'm robbing myself of the the beauty of each of those moments. And I'm not living my life in a calm, appreciative state of love. I am apprehensive about when it's going to be over, when the day is going to be over, when the kids are going to go to bed, when the house will finally be clean, when the new thing happens or when I get the goal or whatever it happens to be, I'm distracted by it because I think that I'll feel better, that I'll be different once something has changed. And that's not true. Just, it just really isn't true. So I really liked connecting again to these deep beliefs and this coach was able to help me see my brain. When you're in the weeds, when you're in the weeds of your brain, it's hard to see your brain. So valuable to have An objective third party, listen to you talk and to be like, hey, there's some crazy going on in that brain of yours, but not to judge you about it. (laughs) It's so great. If you've never had some life coaching, may I highly recommend it. And if you feel like a lot of your problems revolve around your home or your family or the collision of the two, give me a call. Because even while I'm trained in this, even though this is what I do, I still have a human brain, just like we all do. And no matter how educated or how experienced or how old or how young or uh, how psychologically inclined you may be, everybody can use a life coach. So there is my little lifesaver for you this week. Not even joking. Like four times it saved my life this week. 
So what's been your little lifesaver? Send me an email and share these little lifesavers with me, carly at intentionalhouse.com, and ask me your house questions. I would love to feature either, either your lifesaver or your house question. I know all you mamas out there, you've got them. I know there's stuff that you love. I know there's little tricks, tips and tricks to loving your mama life. And if you have one that you would like to share, I would love to share it with everyone else. We're a team. Takes a village, right? Takes a village to raise a mom. Okay, today we get to talk about a house for parenting well. I'm so excited. I love to talk about parenting. Oh man, I love to talk about parenting because I feel like that is one of the main purposes of the home, which is to care for the people in it. That's the primary purpose. And so the people within your home are often the little people we call our children. So cool. Let's love them and let's love them good. So loving your children, parenting well at home has three main components. Okay. This is what I want you to understand. If you want to parent well at home, you need to lean in to these three components. The first is understanding yourself. The second is understanding your child. And the third is understanding your house. So let's get into each of these components a little deeper. So number one, understanding yourself. This means making an intentional decision about how you want to show up as a parent. This is not about necessarily being a perfect person yourself or understanding yourself completely, but this is understanding your goals and understanding that you as a person are separate from your children. How do you want to show up as a parent, no matter how your kid behaves, no matter what screaming happens, no matter what tantrums or accidents or messes, no matter what happens, How do you want to show up? What kind of parent do you want to be? Completely aside from what you think is best for your child, who do you want to be? What kind of a person are you? What kind of a person do you want to be in the world? Who are you? It's so important for you to know this because it's parenting. It's about you. Your relationship with your child is all about you. It's not called childing. It's called parenting because you're the parent and you get to learn how to be an adult in relationship to a young dependent child. It's a beautiful invitation. But in order to fully maximize this invitation, you need to understand who you are and who you want to be. And then understand, ask yourself questions like, Why am I not being that person? Where are you giving your power away? A lot of times we think that we are who we are because our kids do stuff. It's a completely reactionary and kind of victim-y way to see parenting. If my kid yells at me, then I have to yell at him because what else do you do? I have to. He's out of control. It's my job to control him have to yell. We tell ourselves these stories that we have to do certain things. We have to show up in certain ways because our kids did something. We're just reacting to them. That is us as parents giving the five, six, seven-year-olds the power to run the show. But there is a reason why we're the adults and they're the children. And it's because 
they aren't running the show. We're running this show. So be, when the kids throw tantrums and just because a child has a hard time or is feeling big emotions or is learning how to be a human, like we all are, that is not forcing you to behave. It's not forcing you to think about anything. It's not forcing you to feel any way. Your kid is not doing that to you. You are the adult. You are the one deciding. You have a brain. You have a frontal cortex, which your child does not have right now. <laughs> and you are able to make decisions with what you believe and how you behave. So remember that that is your power. And how you want to show up as a parent is completely separate from how your child shows up in the world or to you or to anybody else for that matter. This one is easier said than done. I know that this is a concept that you're probably nodding along with me like, okay, skip to the end, get to it. But this is so imperative that you understand because if you don't understand that you are a separate entity from your child, nothing else I say today is even going to matter. You have to understand this. You have to really feel into this and feel confident that I, I choose how I show up in kindness or compassion or with high expectations or high warmth. How do you want to show up regardless of how your kid shows up? Understand that about yourself. That is the first component. Okay. The second component to parenting well and using your house at home is understanding your child. These are questions that you can ask like, what does your child need? And isn't that the biggest question in the world when we're all like, where's the manual to this thing? What does this kid even need? But you know what? You are the best person to understand what your child needs. There are a few things, a few little guidelines that might help you out. And as far as like child development goes and things to expect. So we'll go there, but really understand that you know your kid. And if you can be still enough to watch them, and if you can be humble enough to ask them, all the answers are going to come to you. You are the mom. You are the one that has been chosen to steward this little human through the first 18 years of their life and throughout their whole entire life. Aren't we lucky? We're so lucky. So let's try to figure out how to best help them as their parents, recognizing that we are separate from them. Right? We don't need to control them. We don't need them to behave in a certain way. We don't need specific outcomes. We don't need them to go to Harvard. We don't need them to marry the rich dude. We just need to show up how we want to show up and to love them ferociously. Okay. So what does your child need? That being said, there are a few psychology principles that I think would be helpful to understand. And the first is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. This is one that I often reference with respect to the house. But today I want to talk to you about it in its pure state with reference to just the human experience. Now Maslow said that we have levels of needs and layers of needs. And if we haven't met the foundational need layers, we can't fully express ourselves in outer layers. Or he he describes it as a triangle shape. So the foundational layers of the triangle lead up to the pinnacle of the triangle. And if you don't have one layer, you cannot effectively step to the next step up the pyramid. So the foundational layer of this pyramid is physiological needs. These are things like breathing, food, water, sleep, 
things like this. Like your systems need to be working enough so that you're alive and your body needs to be taken care of. Cool. Like we get that if you're starving and you aren't breathing, we don't really need to be talking about friendship quality, right? Okay. So that kind of makes sense. The next layer in Maslow's hierarchy of needs is safety. This is feeling like you're secure in your body, like you're safe. You have a job that's safe. You have access to resources that you need. Your family is safe. You have health and your property is taken care of. Things like this. The next layer is the love and belonging level. And this is about friendship and family and intimacy. Are you connecting with people? After you've hit that layer and you've mastered it, then you can move on to the esteem layer. And this is things like self-esteem, being confident, achievement, respect of others, respect by others, things like this, where you're feeling good about yourself and you're able to produce in the world. Then the pinnacle is self-actualization. And this is characterized by creativity and spontaneity and problem solving. And you're able to accept facts and you're able to act on them. You're able to be the boss of your life. You're able to let go of prejudices. You're able to um, reach that enlightenment, if you will. It's fun to consider the hierarchy of needs because uh, sometimes our kids, we feel like they're being psycho, but actually they just don't have one of their base level needs met. Like they need some food. They're not breathing deeply enough. Or maybe they, they, they don't feel safe. So you can always diagnose. You can kind of get close. I shouldn't say like a specific diagnosis, right? But you can kind of hone in as a mom on what your kids might need. Take a little educated guess according to the pyramid by seeing where they're having problems. So if they're having problems with friends or with family, go down one layer. And if they're having fr- they have trouble with friends and family, chances are likely that they don't feel safe. They don't feel like their health or their stuff or their body or their family, or it's like something doesn't feel safe to them. And if they're having a hard time feeling safe, go down one layer from that. Do they need some water? Are their systems working well? Are they like they there's listed excretion as a physiological need? Like, are you having bowel movements regularly? Are you getting rid of toxins in your body? My husband has Crohn's disease. I feel like we talk about bowel movements more freely than the average person. So, you know, sensor if necessary. Okay. So like, are, are they meeting their physiological needs and then their safety needs and then their love and belonging needs, and then they can start feeling good about themselves and then they can reach their life mission after that. So it kind of simplifies that it takes a little bit of the air of guessing out of what's going on with my kid at home. Like, why are they making all these messes? Why are they screaming and pounding on the piano? And part of that is just being a kid. Of course, there's just going to be 50% of the time where your kid, you don't get, you don't get your kids. And that's totally okay. That's completely fine. And then when you're ready to investigate a little bit more, maybe you take a look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs and see if that's helpful to you. Another model that's helped me in the past is Eric Erickson's. I know this is like Viking times. Like, why are we naming people Eric Erickson? Okay. Eric Erickson's stages of 
psychosocial development. This is a child development um, model, kind of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. But he talks about how in each stage of life, kids are assigned a developmental task. And if they can conquer the task, then they progress again to the next stage. And this is more psychosocial, more psychological. Um, and if they have problems, then they are kind of get, get, they get stuck in the challenge of that time. So when you have a baby, an infant to 18 months, they're working on trust. And if they don't trust, then they fall into mistrust. And that's something that Eric Erickson says haunts them for the rest of their lives because they never learned it as an infant. So take it for what it is, but you know, just an interesting idea. It doesn't have to be the gospel truth for anybody, but it might be interesting to consider as I read through these that maybe there's a stage that your child still needs to develop psychologically or socially to become the kind of person that they need to become. So here are your stages. Infant to 18 months, they're working on trust. 18 months to three years, can you guess? Autonomy. And if they don't learn autonomy, they get stuck in shame and doubt. Three to five years, initiative or guilt. Five to 13 years old, industry, that's like creation, versus inferiority. 13 to 21 years, identity versus confusion. 21 to 39 years, intimacy versus isolation. 40 to 65 years, generativity versus stagnation. 65 and older, integrity versus despair. Isn't that interesting? Even just throughout our whole entire lives, according to Erickson here, there is a job for us to be doing, a mission for us to be working on, a purpose for our development that corresponds to our age. I think it's a beautiful idea. So if that helps you figure out childhood basics, great. If you're like, that is not helpful at all, then disregard it because research is only as helpful as it is to you. So don't ever feel obligated to make yourself fit into a research constraint or a theoretical framework. There we go, theoretical framework. Because Every person is different and every individual has the right and I would say it's a need. Like you need to interpret both culture and research, all the things and accommodate them to how to you and your lifestyle and your goals and your value system. So just take it for what it's worth. So the third thing we need to understand here, our third component of making a house for parenting well is understanding your actual house. There are a few research principles that will help us understand our house. But again, your house is your house. Your house experience, your preferences at home, they're all yours. And you get to do with them whatever you want. So one one researcher that I really love, his name is Braun from Brenner, and he created ecological systems theory. This is a theory that says we are all influenced by the interaction of the environments that surround us. So imagine a bullseye. Imagine Target. I know. Hold on. Do a quick daydream about Target. Okay. Yeah, we love Target. Okay. So imagine a bullseye Target. At the center of 
the bullseye is you, the individual. Then if we go out one stage, these are the surrounding elements in their immediate environment, their house, their family, mom, dad, siblings, uh, cars, neighborhood, right? And then one step out from that is the interaction of level two items. So this is like the mom talking to the teacher at school or your brother talking to your friend. Okay, that is called the mesosystem. Then next layer is called the exosystem. And this just gets even bigger. It's like other formal and informal social structures, parents' workplaces, parents, friends, media, uh, culture at large. And then we go out one layer again, and this is the macro system. And this is socioeconomic status wealth, ethnicity. Um, and it's, this is a different system because it doesn't really refer to the specific environment of one child, but the established society in which a whole generation of children are growing up in. And then the fifth and final level of Brown from Brenner's systems theory is the chronosystem. And this is all of the environmental changes that happen over the lifetime that influence development. This could be like historical events, things that happen in the world at large, weather patterns, freak storms, wars, all these things that happen to the world. So this is, this is cool to consider in terms of the home and your child because the home is a microsystem. It is an element of the child's immediate environment, as is the family. But how the home impacts the mom, that's that next layer. That's the macro system. This is where um, if you're, if you as the mom are stressed about your chores, sometimes we think like, oh, my stress won't affect my kids, but it does. And this is the model kind of that helps us understand how and why. And it's just because it sets the tone. It sets the environment. It's just another contribution to a child's trajectory. So it's cool to understand that your house is a player. There's a component to this prop that, depending on how you interpret it, can have various consequences for your children, depending on their temperament and other influences. Homes are never going to produce like a quality of child, if that makes sense. Like, I wish, I wish I had the magic pillow that I could be like, buy this throw pillow and your kid will get a 4.0 every semester, <laughs> you know, like I can control your kid with the environment. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen like that, but it plays n with other things. It plays nice. It plays hard. It plays tricky. It plays warm with all of the other things going on in your life and in your kid's life. So this is just you using your house to meet your own needs. Remember, understand your own needs and your kid's needs. When you understand your child and yourself and you kind of understand that the home, yes, is important and that they're, everything the house can lead back to the most important things, which is your relationships, then you are in the power seat. And it really can be that simple. We don't have to overthink it. We don't have to impress anybody else. We're just using our props to love our people better. That's all parenting in the home really is. It's using your interpretation of manners 
and using your conversations about manners and using the fork itself, not as a tool of shame and of criticism and of nagging and of separation, but how could you use that same fork and those same lessons to create bonding and connection and love and warmth? That is the task, my friends. That is all that I have for you today. I will talk to you next time. And until then, go get messy. Hey, do you just love this podcast? There's even more housey homey family goodness to explore over at intentionalhouse.com.